Hello and welcome to this week's episode of BWB Extra, where we get to know this week's guest, Steve O'Hare, a little better. Steve is Senior Vice President of Zap, London's premium on-demand convenience app, founder of his very own advisory firm, O'Hare & Co, and an angel investor with Atomico. In a past life, he was also a journalist covering European tech for over 10 years at TechCrunch. So kick back and get to know more about the man who wears many hats and wears them very well indeed. Can I ask you um, a controversial question before we move on? Well, it's not controversial, but a bit deeper, I guess, question is you raise money and you raise money as someone with a disability. And as as my fellow Copatria gets very upset about the inequalities between women and men and raising money, you do. Did you find that when you raise money? I mean, I'm... In my mind, I know 50% of people are women, so the stats are easy. But I don't actually know how many people have disabilities. I mean, I'm dyslexic. That's counted as a minor. You know what I mean? It's like, and where do you put the graph and what level are we talking about? But, you know, is it is it a thing that disability, do people with disabilities find it hard to build companies and be taken seriously or whatever? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. Look, see, I'm going to go backwards and to answer in my, in my career. Look, I found it hard to get a freaking job. I was unemployed for a year when I got out of university with a good degree, right? So I, never mind raising money for, for a venture about business. Most, mo, you know, many, many people with disabilities have barriers to entry into employment, right? So, that, so that they can't even get off the startup blocks. So, um, but no, when I raised money for the, for the startup I did many, many moons ago, I don't think disability really came into it because by that point I was already quite a well-known journalist in the ecosystem, so I think I had an unfair advantage. But yeah, can't think of many founders that have raised venture capital that have a a physical disability that is that is obvious that I know of. I think no, I think when I when I couldn't get a job, it was a bit of a catch twenty two where you like I didn't have any work experience whatsoever. And I think most people when they're twenty one, especially nowadays, would have maybe like done a Saturday job or had to work during the holidays where they're at university. Of course, yeah. of course, yes. Yeah, so and, and I had like zero track record, right? And that's because when you think about most most entry level labour is very quite physical. physical. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. So that was definitely um definitely a blocker. And then of course there is like the conscious or unconscious bias. However, I'm I'm I think I've always been quite astute to these issues. So my tactics to get a job was if I was applying to a small company I would not mention my disability whatsoever. And then if I was applying to a big company like the BBC, I would flag up my disability. Wow, that's great advice. Okay. That would that would work very well because the, the bigger companies, they, 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 they have to... They're worried about quotas yeah. and more... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the small company, you're right, once they meet you, and but it's like lots of things in life. It's not just disability, it's lots of things that pe- people offer CV. I've been there when you get 500 CVs and you're like, right, we need 10. So it's like, so you come up with criteria, you go, okay, well, this qualification lives within this distance or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So it's, you know, yeah, that's that's great advice. Uh, hats off to you because I think anything, we've all got to be fearless in life. It's hats on. Hats on to fine. you. Yeah, sorry, hats on. Good point. You know, I've got my hat somewhere, but you've got to be fearless in life. You know, you must be fearless. And it's, it's not something you necessarily have, you know. Yeah, I mean, throughout like the probably the first 20 years of my career, I think all I really focused on was stay employed. <laughs> like, yeah. it sounds funny. And people will probably look at my resume now and think, well, that's ridiculous. Actually, it's like just stay employed. 
I think I felt the same for the first 20 years of my career. Totally get that. I had the opposite experience being made to work for my father. I was just like, I need to get fucking fired, but it's not happening. (laughs) Damn nepotism. So you're a founder. You've just started your your new business, but you're not just a founder, right? You're also an angel investor in other businesses. So I'm guessing, you know, given your interest in strategy and your, you know, expertise in comms, that you must only ever invest in businesses that are strategically perfect and are going exactly the right way. Are you the world's best angel investor is, I guess, yeah, what that's I'm asking. Yeah, that's where she's trying to go. That's where she's trying to go. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I'm part of a, an angel investment program run by a massive French capital firm called Atomico, which is the VC firm that was founded by a guy called Zeto Zenstrom, who, found, who originally founded Stripe. So, so I've done about eight, eight angel investments last year on, as part of the program at Atomico. So it's not my money, it's their money. But um, I go out and, f- and find these That's great the best way to invest. It's got to be more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, and, and I've invested in like a range of different companies. And they're not, I wouldn't say that from a comms perspective, they're all perfect. They're going to have their own, um, you know, risks and their own challenges. But yeah, I can't think that they're particularly, con- yeah, particularly controversial from that perspective. But no, my, my sweet spot for investments is, honestly, at that super early stage, is are they potentially great founders? And is the problem they're solving a real one? And this is crucial. Is the problem big enough or I, has a big enough market yeah. to be worthy of venture capital? Because, you know, your, your, your business podcast, there are millions of amazing businesses that don't fit the venture capital model. Yeah, right. lifestyle businesses as they as they like to be regarded. But you're right, it's too niche. But it, it, but they're quite often very important business. They might make a niche product. You know, they might make a product that you know only a small group of people really need. But it sounds it sounds like you're very much a kind of a pacifist investor. You don't get involved in the businesses that you invest in, particularly, or do you? So I'm not hands on day to day, but clearly my. My edge, I guess they, as they would call it, is, you know, I have a great network. Having been a journalist in, in the ecosystem for many years, I actually did my own startup in between all that and raised venture capital myself at one point. So I've been on a bit of a founder journey. And now, of course, taught probably for the first time on this podcast, I've got my own new venture too. So I think there's a certain amount where we can, you know, trade kind of experience and I can hopefully help some of these founders not make some of the most obvious mistakes or mistakes that I've seen other companies do as a journalist or mistakes that I've, I've seen even more up front. But obviously they also do use me for a sounding board about PR and comms as well. Obviously that's one of my, one of my, one of my kind of core skills. So yeah, I think I, I definitely, they, they like to get me on their cap table because they think I'll be useful. A bit early days to see if I actually am, but yeah. But you're, you know, it's nice to have a few names that people recognise on your cap table. It certainly greases the wheels. Steve, what's your long-term goal? What's the long-term goal for the new business? It's a really, really good question. I think definitely want to scale it and grow it. So we're a four-person team, got a handful of clients. I think I want to get, you know, maybe double that in 18 months um, and keep going. But long-term sort of personal career goal, no, I, I, I just want to stay interested. So I'm, I'm always doing different things, and I've got, as you say, various hats. And for me, it's about um, kind of content, like career contentment, which is about like staying interested, curious, 
learning new things, challenging myself. And also, I, I think as you get older in your career, there's so much um, satisfaction from bringing other people on and seeing like talent around you develop. So I've really, really enjoyed at Zap having teams that report directly into me or alongside me and just seeing people at the beginning or the middle of their careers. Oh, it's so nice seeing people develop. And if you and when they when they develop well and they flower and you just really like, oh, I remember like you were so shy or whatever, you know. No, it's fantastic. It's amazing. I think that as you get older, like that is probably the most satisfying thing is building something around you that allows other people. It sounds really cheesy, isn't it? But allows other people to flourish. Yeah, I think your parents may be English teachers, and you might be a journalist. You know, that's what I'm thinking with these uh, catchy sort of you know clear statements. What do you think is the most misunderstood then thing about your job that you're a PR company? I guess. No, I think it's that like you know that if comms is just about PR, it's not PR. It's just one area of comms, and there's so much more to it. And yeah, that's definitely that'll be it. That'll 100 be it. And also, I made it bad for myself. Because I used to slag off PR people as a journalist, like over and over and over and over. And the reason why I said maybe we should keep this under the radar is like, I'm going to get so much stick on Twitter over this. Can't you like, call it like executive PR or no PR ultra? We're, we're you know, like you, you need you need a good brand title for this. I'm not sure about this comms. Comms just amuses me that it's like it's like you know a shortened weird word of the actual beautiful communication. You know, it's converse, so it amuses me. But I know exactly what it means when you say it. I guess. What do you think your biggest problem is going to be in the next couple of years for your business? So I don't think like strategic communications or comms, it, it's not a scalable business in the yeah. sense of like a piece of software, right? So in order to scale, we need to hire great people and embed our way of doing comms and our, and our approach and our thinking into every new hire. And so I think it's going to be a challenge to scale and keep the product and our unique offering like consistent as we grow bigger and bigger. And also, I suppose, hiring generally. I mean, people say it all the time at the moment that that finding the right people is hard. I would imagine yeah, you need yeah, very yeah. specific people. Journalists. Yeah. Another comms firm gave me some advice this week. They said, and they grew from a handful to 30 people, and they said, actually, what you want to do is hire great junior people because it's much easier to teach people how you think it should be done versus trying to un- get them to unlearn different or bad ways of doing it. And obviously, it's going to always be a trade-off, but I think that's a great piece of advice because they said, it, it's, I think it particularly applies to service industry, if you get people around you learning your approach or your particular way of doing things, then you can promote them. There's always, you know, there's always, they can go up to another level, another couple of levels, and then potentially stay with the firm for many, many years versus kind of other types of industries where you need to sort of hop around. Out of all the things you've done, where, where do you think you've gone wrong the most in your career? I think I've always been the sort of person where when I get to a certain stage of the of the career, I've then gone, oh, actually, I want to go to another level. right? But I've always waited to get to that level before thinking about the next one. And I think that comes from kind of breaking glass ceilings probably partly as a disabled person, where you think, oh my God, I never thought I'd get here. And actually, if I can go back in time, I wouldn't change a lot. I've loved it so far and I've paid it my way, but probably speed it up a little bit. Like, 
knowing that I can get there, if that makes sense, rather than yeah. having that mentality of, I've already achieved more than I thought I would. Well, it's not really what I thought. When you're disabled, you get set very low expectations around you. Actually, that's something people don't really talk about. Well, as you, as you grow up, people are, people are always sort of, what in the medical or educational industries, they're trying to set your expectations low. So when you have a disability as, quote-unquote, severe as mine, most institutions you interface with, they don't even expect you to work. Wow. Right, they'll, they'll jump out of their seat when you tell them you work, right? So you're surrounded by low expectations in sort of wider society. I was really lucky. My dad had mad ambition for me. I was about to say, I, you, you often it comes down to the parents, you know, in terms of, you know, you've got that fearlessness and that like, you know, and you would have thought with Zoom as being, you know, the, the, the COVID is, a, you know, a hell of a thing that happened to us. It, it should be a boon right now for levelling up really shouldn't it to some extent like chap gideon we've had on the podcast he's deaf i mean he he was like look zoom was great for me i could have the transcription you know so you would think now more than ever is possible yeah i mean my, my pandemic story is they helped me to suddenly have the confidence to apply for more jobs and potentially lead journalism because everyone had gone remote so that awkward conversation of mm-hmm. i'll need to work from home for a lot of the time sort of didn't, then wasn't so awkward, right? Yeah. But actually, people are returning back to the office and there's lots of op-eds and business leaders saying it needs to be the office again. I did it. I get the advantages of in-person collaboration. But so I don't think they're leveling up if there was one has is really right here to stay, which is kind of sad. But I think, yeah, to, to answer the question, if I could do any of it again, I would just do it faster. I think part of that is that it gets, you get better at it, but it's quite hard to listen to your gut and your gut takes time to develop. And it's your gut that would tell you, right, I'm done with this, I'm moving on. And as we get older, we get much better at getting that feeling and you you can almost do it instantly sometimes. You're like, I'm done with this, I'm done with that person, or I'm changing this. So I think the, the moving faster was, if only I could listen and develop my gut faster. But yeah, I, I guess I'm saying it's inevitable, but you know, good answer nonetheless. Anyway. What's your passion outside of business? Yeah, no, I think we touched on it, music. I'm a massive music geek. Otismax.com. Oh, music's the bomb, man. It's 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 the Mac Daddy, you know. It's uh, I when I you start to meet people who who don't do music, and that's why I ask the question like, what's your vice and stuff? Oh, is it? Because I need to then I, I'm like I'm I'm like whoa, you just like remove the ground from under my feet of existence. And then I'm like, okay, 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 you're into sport. Like, you're really into sport, you know? It's like, you know, what's your... You're religious. You're really religious, but, my, you know. um, my niece has made me do that thing. You know, at the end of last year, Spotify did that your year in Roundup thing. Oh, yeah, thing. it's good, that. And I'd listen... Like, they did it on my Spotify, and I'd listen to, like... Was something terrible, like 72 minutes of music in the entire year. Wow. Oh my god! Wow! Because I, I, mean? I just listen to podcasts. I don't listen to music, so I like you know. I, I couldn't share my um Spotify thing because uh, probably half of it were my own tracks, so that was embarrassing. But no, <laughs> so, yes, that's, that's okay. I mean, it's um you know music to me make it. I have this problem that uh, a lot of people I know stopped playing music because they didn't make it, and so. I find that really weird because it's like, yeah, but you run, yeah? And you used to run at school, but just because you're not um, Usain Bolt 
you still run around the park. You don't go, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm really slow. So, so here's this thing that's incredible therapy that you were pretty good at, actually. You got it to a high proficiency. You know, you, you spent more time on it than you're running. And, and yet you give it up because you didn't become famous or you, people didn't care and people didn't listen to it. Yeah, Listening to it yourself yeah. is very therapeutic too, you know, memories and... But I think that was actually, that was me and the band members. Well, we didn't make it. We, we stopped, all of us almost. Yeah, yeah, you do. It's like a depression. Um, yeah, I think it's because there's an emotional attachment to like the dream and the kind of, you want to do something like that, like maybe full time. And also the friendships, right? So when a band breaks up, you know, you bond with, you know, with your band members. Yeah, but. yeah, it's deep. And also, all our band did it uh, as we worked out one day. We were like, didn't we partly do this to all get sex? And we were like, yeah. And then we were like, right, it's 10 years in, there's eight of us. Has anyone had sex as a result of this brand? And was the answer and then, no? And then, no. And then we were like, hang on, hang on, Ben. There was that groupie at that, part, at that gig we did. She wouldn't leave you alone. What happened? Nothing, nothing happened. Oh, for fuck's sake. It was fucking disappointing. It really was. And you thought, why are we, exactly to your point, why are we doing this tonight, I think I think I've got a drug addiction or something, you know. <laughs> and now a quick word from our sponsor. Ori Clark got its start back in 1935, and while the world has changed a bit, it's more than just survived. From complying with the FCA and all things financy, they can also speak fluently in the language of legalese. Ori Clark was born and raised right here in the UK And now for 20 years they've been helping others get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide Straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935 Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. What's the best advice you've ever been given? The best advice I was ever given was when I was still figuring out how to get into journalism, having not done a journalism degree, I I managed to do a tiny bit of freelance gigs and an editor at a magazine said to me, he said, Steve, if you want to become a journalist, start calling yourself one. And then he paused and he said, besides, there are way worse writers than you making a living out of journalism. <laughs> that is great advice. Um, what's the, what, what advice would you give to your younger self? Speed up? or you Yeah, know. just speed up, speed up and don't let other people's expectations or let alone your own um, create any more glass ceilings. Yeah, 100%. It's a bit like if you want to dance, imagine no one's watching. It's the only secret to dancing I'm aware of. You know, you've got to be able to like somehow build a force field around you to work out who, what you want to do. You know, what you're going to do, fuck everyone else, you know? And you'd have this thing, you shouldn't be selfish and we're part of a community, but there are some ways that you have to really like, like block it all out, you know? Because it's, you know, and it's so hard to do. Recommendations? Any any recommendations on the reading, watching, listening? We've had your music. Any anything else uh, you'd recommend people check out? I'm gonna say, if if anyone hasn't seen the documentary on Netflix, as in a documentary about Netflix, 
I don't know how it had to on Netflix. It's on Netflix. No, I think I think it might be on Amazon Prime. I'm not sure. But there was a. Everyone always says, "What's the title?" And I honestly can't remember. But there was an amazing documentary <laughs> on how Netflix disrupted Blockbuster. Oh, and I, and there was a moment in history, wasn't there, when it was like it was the same as the Yellow Pages and someone that Blockbuster got a billion pounds and they were like this yeah, tiny yeah. thing and they like they offered I can't remember they offered to buy one of those like hilarious things. Two years later, it's like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a great, it's a great, great story on kind of how an upstart disrupts an incumbent but what's great about it is it's very messy right it's not like simplifying the story is it is it called adapt or die maybe i think it is yeah i think it might be how netflix took down blockbuster yeah adapt or die adapt or die write that down steve sounds (laughs) like you need to remember that one (laughs) i mean we we kind of skip this and we're obviously in a show but i think it i think it's an important question we've all got to face uh what's your business Doing about climate change. I mean, I know, you won't have to do much. You'll work from home, but is that something you think about at all? Or yeah, no, it is. I mean, at, so at Zap, the the sustainability team reported on into me. So it's actually an area I know, I know quite a lot about, and and it's quite you know it's quite an eye opener. Zap obviously have a very deep. complicated thing to, yeah. to unravel for climate change. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. When you're in the intersection of retail and delivery, that is massive, and actually. When you dig into sort of like food retailers, food waste is huge. It's a huge problem. Oh my god! The amount of food that, that supermarkets throw away um, and criminal. Yeah, and at, yeah, and at Zach, we work with some charities to redistribute unsold food, but that's still edible before it should go into into waste, right? So that's that's something that's super important for any retailer to do in the food space. But yeah, in my um, strategic comms firm, I don't think it's such a big issue. We're we're a remote first company, so far less travel, um, and yeah, so uh, so it's not something we need to worry about too much. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <clears throat> this brings us to our absolute favourite part of the show, other than obviously all the brilliant things you said. The business versus bullshit quick fire round. D the music. This is where we're going to reel off a list of key terms, and you have to tell us whether you think it is business. Or it is bullshit. <laughs> you're only in the fence about them, you can say biz shit. Occasionally, you get one biz shit, maybe two biz shits if you're really, really lucky. Okay, we're off. Um, hot desking. Business. Flexible working. Business. Going viral. That sounds deeply horrid. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's really hard to do. You can't do it, you can't decide to do it. Oh, the happens it doesn't, so I think as a business concept, yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, breakfast meetings. Bullshit. Yes! I've never, I've... That awful idea. Hey, breakfast. I, I... I'm talking to a client or something. I'm trying to eat my cereal. And you're dripping your egg down your front. Sleep. I haven't had my yeah. coffee yet. You know, I'm still wearing my dressing gown. And motherfuckers want breakfast. Anyway. Think tanks. Bullshit. Ding. He's doing very well. Scoring very, very high score we've had on these ones. <laughs> MBAs. Oh, that's, that's mean. That's mean. It is though, isn't it? <laughs> depends what de- depends what you do with the MBA. Yeah. Okay. Not tell anyone about it would be a start, you know. Um, I think it's sounding very much like biz shit. Yeah, biz shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> team outings. Oh my god, that's a horrible one. Yeah. I want to say personally. Bullshit. Yeah. Okay. But actually, I'm told by my team 
that they really value afternoon days out. Yeah, then I, and I do see the they value. really value getting drunk and shagging each other when they're young. That's what happens. They're, they're, they're mating. I mean, you look at it and you, you step back and you go, it's, um, you know, they're uh, peacocking and courting and looking for their mate. You know, what, what's that called? Um, my, 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 team went to, my team went to a museum. They went to a museum. Best place. Microdosing. Bullshit. Oh, it's controversial, but it's controversial, the actual thing. Asking favours. So as a business concept? Well, someone rings you up and says, I need, I need you to do me a favour, you know, can you do me a favour in business? You know, do you think that's professional? I mean, you know, say this person's not your best friend. I mean, your best friend, <laughs> you'd pretty much lie to the police. I mean, I think, you, I think you have to know your leverage, right? I've definitely called in favours. And I've definitely done people favors in business. It's a very human thing to do. But know your leverage. Know so your leverage, which means no, no, you, you you can pay them back. You've got something they want, and they've got something you want, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can help you. Well, I think that's because I remember when this came up in the podcast. It was the whole like ringing someone up and asking you to make some, you know, introduce a big deal to you. You know, exactly as you say, when you don't know them well enough, or you're like, that's a big thing to ask me. So knowing your leverage is the kind of same thing as understand how big a thing that might be to ask someone. You know, and then and you've it's got that a, whole thing of you know, like. A Again, people ringing saying, you know, if I rang you and went, hi, Steve, can I just ask you a quick question? I'm doing this thing and I'm not sure whether it's a good idea from a comms point of view. Do you think I should do it or not? And you're in your head thinking, hang on a minute, that's my fucking job. <laughs> Pay me to tell you the answer. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe that's just me yeah. when people yeah. ring me up and say, can I ask no, you no, a question? No, 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 I think that's true. But actually, the worst one is when you get people messaging you and saying, I'd love to grab a half an hour coffee with you. When actually that's really difficult to do. Um, yeah. for time reasons if they said hey quick question should I do X or Y it might take me half a second to probably give them like amazing advice if it's like a straight mm. you know decision so it's actually also about knowing what people are able to give you do you know what I mean, realistically? Yeah, I do hate the people who fit. They always ask you for the coffee, and it's almost like, I'll buy you a coffee. It's like, fuck off. I can <laughs> buy my own coffee, uh, thanks. I've got coffee in the kitchen. <laughs> or like, yeah, oh, why not buy lunch? I've had that. And then you get a shit lunch, and you're just like, I remember this guy came to Slough, this Only if it's no and he, took, he took me to lunch in this place in Slough, and I still remember he ordered a whole chicken. I was like, what a fucking whole chicken. Oh, my God. Anyway, sorry. Universal income. I'm going to say bullshit or business, but I don't know. I don't know. Probably bullshit. Super complicated, it turns out, as a conversation. Yeah, way complicated. Way complicated. Um, working hours. I assume this is having fixed working hours. Mm. Uh, not that. Yeah, bullshit. NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I know it's amazing. there's a lot of bullshit in NFTs. However, I have come across a couple of businesses that have made a real use case out of NFTs okay. that is made money and it's legit. So I wouldn't write it off entirely, but yeah, definitely. But you'd mostly write it off. For a lot of use cases, yeah. yeah. Bitcoin, it's ugly older brother. Well, my, my Bitcoin is down. Significantly, ah. so I don't want to say bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, you'd, you'd spent it. You'd already got the yacht, had you? You had to shrink, shrink, shrink things down to a small bungalow in Wales. <laughs> Last but not least, business plans. Business. Yeah, yeah. need a plan. Yeah. Plan, plan. I mean, I would have said probably bullshit, 
until I had to make one, and when I made one, super, super useful if you have, if you have it the right way. I wouldn't spend, like, you can't, like, you can't plan for every scenario, so I think what you invest in your business plan, time-wise, probably should be relative to the complexity of the business you're in. <laughs> the, uh, that, that line, um, uh, Mr. Wolf said it, um, some famous American politician, plan beats no plan, which is like, you yeah. know, have some plan, any plan. Um, that's it, that's it, we've done it. Uh, I mean, we would ask you Brexit, but... Um, Brexit? Is that genuine? Yeah, let's do it. Brexit is fucking bullshit. Yeah. Brexit is awful. Yeah. Damn yeah. straight. Damn straight. There we go. I'm glad we cleared that up for the entire of the British nation if they hadn't worked it out already. was this week's episode of BWB Extra and we'll be back with a new episode next Tuesday. Until then, it's goodbye.